We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Vince, let's change the tone. You ready for rapid fire? Favorite part of the show. Let's do it. (laughs) All right, here we go. Which Tyler Buckner number will be greater this season? His rushing touchdowns or his interception total? I've been pondering this question for like a week, um, if I'm being (laughs) honest. And Vince actually came up with this one. He was like, you know, telling me all last week or, you know, about how he couldn't come up with rapid fire questions. And then he texts me this, and it's like, well, man, that's gold right there. Oh, man, I tell you what, it, it, what what brought it to my attention was people are talking about, you know, would this stat line for Tyler Buckner be something that Notre Dame could live with? Could this stat line, you know, that kind of a thing. And it's yeah. always, you know, yards, interceptions, and touchdowns, right? And a lot of people have him throwing 10 interceptions, like double-digit interceptions, Maybe that's true, but I don't see that being the case. I think he'll be in the high single digits, but I don't think he hits double digits. I think he does hit double digits when it comes to rushing touchdowns. So I'll take I'll be the optimist on this one. I'll take rushing touchdowns, but the more people talk about how many interceptions they think he's going to throw, the more it deters me a little bit, but I think he's going to be a one heck of a weapon in the red zone when it comes to his legs, obviously, things of that nature, kind of a yes. Deshaun Kaiser type thing. Yes. And I just don't think he's going to throw a ton of interceptions. Yeah, he's going to make some mistakes as a first-year starter, but I don't think he throws 10. Well, in the the first thing I thought of when this question came up was Brandon Wimbush, 2017. Because, you know, it's like, you know, again, and I'm, I'm not – I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not saying that Tyler Buckner's is Brandon Wimbush or whatever, but we're talking about a mobile quarterback, a guy who can run and that kind of thing. Wimbush obviously had, you know, um, consistency issues with the completion percentage and all that kind of stuff. But he ran for 14 touchdowns that year. He only threw six interceptions, you know, for, for whatever, you know, issues he had, you know, making his layups, you know, getting him out there to the flat and that kind of stuff. He only threw right. six interceptions. Now they, they could lean on a really dominant running game. Because remember, they ran for you know like a million yards a game <laughs> that year behind Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey. And you know, they had Josh Adams as well. And and Wimbush was their second leading rusher. But you know, it's like I think 
I think Buckner is going to be better as a passer than what we saw last season. I think 10 is probably what I would put his ceiling for the interceptions right, right around there, which would not be an alarming number. Remember, Jack Cohn threw seven last year. So 10 interceptions for a first-time starter who is more – you know, dual threat than than what we've seen since Brandon Wimbush. And, sure. you know, again, Wimbush with 14, I think that Buckner is going to be in that vicinity. So I think that, yeah, along just, just like you. So based on that, I think that he'll end up with more rushing touchdowns than interceptions. You know, he'll, he might have his share of interceptions, but I still think he's going to have more rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I do too. I, his legs are going to be a tough thing to stop. And like I said, I think he's going to be a weapon inside the the red zone where Notre Dame needs to be a lot more efficient. So uh, yeah. I think that's going to be a real focus for Notre Dame. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, fill in the blank on this next one. Vin Scully passed away yesterday at the age of 94. He was the voice of the Los Angeles, well, I shouldn't say Los Angeles Dodgers, the Dodgers, because it went all the way back to Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Brooklyn. slash Los Angeles Dodgers. That's right. For an amazing 67 years, the voice of the Dodgers for 67 years. When you think of Vin Scully, you think of blank. I'm going to get so much grief for this, and I I get it. I understand why I'm about to get the grief. But I got to be honest, Sean. When I think of Vin Scully, I think of the movie for Love of the Game. (laughs) I'm sorry. I did Billy Chappell. Yes. And the the beautiful pro. The cathedral that is Yankee Stadium. Yes. Yes. The sun sets on, you know, all this other, the pro Uh using and all this stuff. Look, I know who Vin Scully is. Obviously, I'm a baseball fan. I didn't grow up listening to Vin Scully. He was a Dodgers announcer. I didn't listen to any Dodgers games. And over the past day, I've I've come to learn that he also did like, you know, the uh, the catch for Joe Montana, and he did, uh, you know, some don't, other things. You had to bring that up. I, I'm sorry. You? Yes, I he know. used to do. <laughs> he used to do NFL football back in the day as well. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I Just ruined my day. I know. I'm sorry. I, and I, I appreciate that. Uh, but I never really listened to him do anything live yeah. growing up. See, I was lucky that in the 80s, he was still doing 
you know, like he was calling the World Series. He was doing okay. national, you know, when there were more national, you know, baseball broadcasts that people actually watched. So, like, he right. was one of the voices of the World Series in the 80s. And we're going to hear a couple of his calls here in just right. a minute. But, you know, like when I think of Vin Scully, I just think of the joy of baseball, that smooth, velvety voice, you know, it's time for Dodgers baseball. And he just had that such a, uh, you know, a like I said, joyful, soulful, distinct voice. Sure. And like, I remember his last couple years having MLB network, you know, like, I don't know if you had MLB network. So like, even if you, you know, couldn't watch Dodgers games, you know, like every once in a while they'd have him on. And I just remembered like, oh, every time that I would hear him doing a Dodgers game when I'd flip by MLB, you know, of course this would be 1030 at night because they're playing out on the West coast. I just like, I was just like, why, why does this have to end? <laughs> you know, like, sure. Can't we keep, you know, but he was, you know, he passed away at 94. He did it for so long. Yeah. And, and just, you know, so, so that, that voice is what I think of first and the, and the joy that he had for being yeah. at the ballpark. That was so great. And again, I was fortunate that I got to grow up getting to hear him do more national games. You know, the, 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 the shame of it was, you know, apparently, you know, like Fox over the last several years had tried to get him, you know, to come in and, and be a part, you know, of the World Series, you know, even for like just an inning or two or something like that. And he didn't want the attention. And I, I don't think he realized how much, you know, like people would have really loved to have him be a part of that again, even even if just for an inning or two during a World Series. I think that would have been great. absolutely. I mean, I. Like I said, I, I was kind of joking about the movie, but not because <laughs> when I think of that movie, I think of his voice, though. Like, that's yeah. what I think about when I think about that movie, not the love story and all that other nonsense. I think of him talking about Billy Chapel and, like, calling that game. Like, that's what I think about when I think of that movie. Yeah, And that's probably the most I've ever heard him do a game before. You know, I've seen the replays and the Kirk Gibsons and all that stuff, but, like, I've never... Uh-huh see it live by any stretch so it's like that's what i remember i found out today he was the first announcer to use the term breaking ball the first one really to do that. i did not know that until today i know and i just cannot fathom doing anything for 67 years like my dad is 76 years old he just turned 76 not quite a month ago if he had been doing something for 67 years, he would have been nine when he started. It's like, I I just can't imagine. And he was just one of the best for that entire time. And uh, father David Penny said the way he would let the moment breathe was always brilliant. He knew when to speak and when not to no one better. And I I think that that really, and we're going to hear some, I'm going to go ahead and play, a couple of his calls, two of the more famous ones right now, and you will hear what Father David Penny was saying about letting the moment breathe, you know, after these big moments happen. So I'll go ahead and punch this up right now. We've got the Kirk Gibson 1988 World Series home run and the Mookie Wilson Bill Buckner play from 1986. He was calling both of them. World Series back in the 80s. All year long, they looked to him to light the fire. And all year long, he answered the demands until he was physically unable to start tonight. 
with two bad legs. The bad left hamstring and the swollen right knee. And with two out, you talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. If he hits a ball on the ground, I would imagine he would be running 50% to first base. So the Dodgers trying to catch lightning right now. So Mike Davis, the tying run is at second base with two out. Now the Dodgers don't need the muscle of Gibson as much as a base hit. And on deck is the leadoff man, Steve Sachs. Three and two. Sachs waiting on deck, but the game right now is at the plate. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. Can you believe this ball game is Shay? Oh, brother. So the winning run is at second base with two out. Three and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the back. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight and the Mets win it. And so you can hear, you know, the 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 crowd noise there at the end. It, that that Gibson one, I edited a little bit more. Like the whole at bat took like nine and a half minutes or something. Yeah. Like so, I kind of edited it together a little bit. But again, you could hear after Gibson hits the home run, he doesn't, you know, blah 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 blah. You know, talking all over. He did the same yeah. thing, calling Hank Aaron's seven hundred and fifteenth home run. And as a guy, you know, who will never be in Vin Scully's league, but at the same time was fortunate you know, to call baseball games for a long time. That's the biggest thing that I learned, you know, like we played, you know, the, the, the Notre Dame, you know, comeback against rights at the world college world series from 2002 when we did those interviews. And that's like, after the, the Stanley triple, I shut up, you know, and like, let the moment breathe for a little bit after the, the home run by Stavisky, I shut up and you let it breathe and, you know, let, let the crowd noise in and all that, kind of good stuff that is the biggest thing that you know that i was able to take from vin scully but uh, you know he was just such an ambassador for the sport of baseball and and so great at what he did well he never from what i read i think uh, earlier today or maybe it was yesterday is that he never had a color guy he just did it by himself and yeah that he, he wanted need, to do it that way he didn't need one like he does he didn't need one because he understood how to get a broadcast out there and you can speak from experience on this one, I mean, ha- by you know having one and not having one, it's a, it's a way different way to call a game, you know, w- when it comes to that. And well, more and more people don't understand, especially on the TV side, they're putting two and three people in the booth where they just right. feel like they have to be talking all the time. But it's again, none of these, especially like on ESPN, none of the broadcasts ever breathe. You know, and like right. we were talking, you know, yes. like Jesse was talking yesterday about Boog Shiambi, you know, on on marquee and the fact that he never really lets it breathe. And you, you know, you can say that about a lot of these guys because yeah, there's too much. And like, there were so many different videos that I saw people tweeting of Vin Scully just telling stories. Like he was telling a story about Madison Bumgarner, the pitcher for the San Francisco giants 
you know, like he was home on his ranch or something, I think in Texas someplace. And he and his wife found this rattlesnake and, you know, they, they chopped up the snake and inside there were two baby rabbits inside this snake. And one of the rabbits lived and they nursed it back to health. And then they released it back out in the wild. This is a story that Vin Scully told, you know, in the course of a broadcast. And he was, there was one that, that Kevin Millar tweeted. Millar grew up in the Los Angeles area, I guess. And so, you know, his Scully is telling the story. He's calling, you know, uh, Kevin Millar's first game back playing for another team against the Dodgers. His dad bought $3,000 worth of tickets for all his friends. You know, and in the course of this story, boom, Kevin Millar hits a home run. You know, and he's like, he's like, that home run for his dad is worth more than that $3,000 that he spent right. on tickets. And that's just like the greatness of Vin Scully. He didn't need a color analyst because he was able to tell stories like exactly. that and be his own color analyst. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there, there's not going to ever be anybody like him. There, it's just, it's just not possible. It's yeah. not because you'll never see anybody working solo like that anymore. That's right. Now, I know you were young. Did you see either of those World Series moments, the Gibson home run or uh, or the Buckner play, you know, Mookie Wilson, Buckner play, you know, live when, when they actually happened? No, I was five and seven years old at the time, so I definitely <laughs> did not see now, either one of those. Did you watch – the Notre Dame Miami game in 1988. Notre Dame's. Did you do? Did you see that live? I did not see it live, but I remember like the atmosphere. You know what I mean? Okay. Like I remember it going on at the time. That's what I remember. I didn't sit down and watch right. the game because my dad wasn't a big Notre Dame fan. But it happened on the same day, didn't it? That's what I was getting ready to say. Yeah. Those. That, that's what's amazing, and it never registered for me. <laughs> Because I watched both of those games. I watched the Notre Dame-Miami game in the afternoon. I watched the World Series game at night. This is when I was in the Army out in okay. California. And I watched them in two different day rooms in the same building. You know, the day room is basically, you know, it's like, you know, kind of like the common area. And there'd always be little TVs out there. Watched both of those on the same day. Crazy. And it never, you know, like... I just remember watching both of those games, but literally until a couple of years ago, I had never even thought about the fact that they both happened on the same day and, you know, two such yeah. amazing games and, and moments happening, you know, on the same day. And that, and that has to be, I mean, I'm sure that there's others to make the list, but that's got to be one of the best sports days in the history of sports. I mean, it has to be with, yeah. with, you know, those are two pretty iconic situations that happen on the same day. Plain exactly. So and I didn't yeah. realize that was the case either until I saw somebody mention it yesterday when all of this was going on and it was a huh. Notre Dame fan obviously and it's like we were at the game and then we went back to the hotel and we watched the World Series in South Bend you know it was like wow yeah that's a heck of a day right there I know no kidding to do it for, yeah to be able to be at the game I mean that's yeah. that's a different level I wonder exactly. if they had a Catholics versus convicts T-shirt I know right. <laughs> Okay, Vince, fill in the blank. It's okay. blank that Tom Brady is 45 years old today. Makes me feel young. He makes me feel <laughs> young that there's still people in the NFL that are older than me. Like that's, doing it. At some point, he's going to retire, and I, I will be older than everybody in the NFL. That, that moment has not come, and I am very happy about it. He keeps me young. Uh, a couple nuggets that I also learned today. The original Star Wars, you know, like, 
Okay. Star Wars. I guess it's episode six or something like that. But the original one, you know, the first one, first Star Wars movie they ever made was the number one movie at the box office when Tom Brady was born in 1977. Yep. It's episode four. And was it episode four? Okay. Yes. To me, it was just Star Wars. And I remember, you know, I saw that in the movie theater, you know, and then it had all the Star Wars figurines and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, I get it. The action toys. But yeah. Yeah, that uh, and wow. Wow. and thirteen NFL head coaches are currently younger than Tom Brady. Okay, that makes me feel old, actually, because <laughs> there's thirteen NFL coaches who are basically my age, essentially, or younger. Yeah, which, that hurts in a lot of ways. Yep. But coaches oh, are getting man. younger, though. You know, yeah, they are. They, that's like the thing is to take a chance on a younger coach. You know, that kind of a thing. I mean, it's happening around here at the high school level too. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. You're saying your your guy Frank Karcheski. We're not allowed to call him Frankie anymore. I, th- I think he's just Coach Frank now, is what they call him. So. Is, that, is that what they call him? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm actually going to meet with him tomorrow. But like the fact that somebody I coached is now a head coach is just weird. It's just weird. I don't like it. That makes me feel well. Weird. The other irony is he's got his former high school head coach as as a position coach. For that's him. also like very that. true. That's a very good point. <laughs> very good point. Yep. How things have changed. And that was oh, only, man. what, 10 years ago or something like that. I yeah. Think. So. Yeah, 2012. Well, you know, Vince, you are a coach. I've coached. Mm-hmm. And the thing that probably ticks coaches off the most is when they have to coach effort. Would you agree with that? No, oh, 100%. 100%. Because that's something you can control. Yeah, That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And this has been... You know, kind of something that I've heard debated. People okay. we know have debated this in the past. Where do you stand on either praising or noting a player's effort, you know, in the course of a game as a member of the media, not as a coach, obviously, okay. but you know, you're watching a game and you know, and you're 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 noting, oh man, he plays, you know, a lot of times you hear the analysts, oh man, he plays hard. And yeah, you know, you know, it's like, well, they lost. Well, you know, but they played hard that kind of stuff. Where do you stand on that kind of thing? As a coach, as I first started reading this and I was like, Oh, he's going to ask me if I praise, you know, my players on their effort. Right. Of course you do, because you want them to be an example and all of that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Positive reinforcement. You want to keep doing it. And you don't want to have to do that. You want everybody to give a hundred percent effort all the time, but that's not reality. Right. So as a coach, you got to do it as a media member. That's not your role, man. Like that is not your place, in my opinion. And we're talking media members. That means they're covering most likely either a college or a professional athlete. I'm sorry if I have to commend your effort and you're getting paid millions of dollars. There's a problem there. Like why? Why am I calling you out in a positive way for your effort when you should be giving me effort regardless? Okay, and that goes with college players too, because you know whether you're getting in an IL or whether you're getting a scholarship or whatever, I shouldn't have to compliment you on your effort. That's how I feel about it. That that's not a media member's place. You can yeah, again, we're them. not doing it to their face. We're doing it, you know, in the course of a broadcast right. or you know on a podcast or a radio show I don't, or whatever. It happens I am to. not a fan of that at all, to be honest with you. I I will comment on their play all day long, but not the effort. Sorry, that should be a given. Yeah, you know, I I do agree. It should be a given, you know, but I I think that maybe where it comes up sometimes is because of the fact that you do have inconsistent 
playing levels from one right. player to the next, you know, that, that maybe it does come up. I don't think it should be, you know, like the first thing that, that you have to talk about, Oh, you know, there's, they're still playing hard and, you know, and like, you know, if right. you're having a losing series, you know, season, maybe it becomes notable, you know, and that kind of thing. But, you know, and I guess that's where, I guess that's, you know, just, just what I said, because of the fact that it should be a given, but it is not always a given. I can see where maybe, you know, you would make note of it from time to time. I don't now, think it should be something where you heap praise on somebody right. for it, Absolutely. but I, I can see where it is notable from time to time. I, I will say if there's a, let me, let me, let me draw a line in the sand. You and I do high school stuff together, right? Right. Right. I will praise a kid's effort all day at a high school, at the high school level from, right. from a, a broadcast standpoint, right? Cause there's certain guys that are diving on the floor and they're doing all kinds of good stuff or, or in basketball or whatever. Effort right? level looks a lot different yes. at that level because of the fact, because Absolutely. of what we're talking about. Yeah, Absolutely. Because effort level at the high school level can get you a lot of success. You know what I mean, and and you love yeah. that, and you want that, and you it, absolutely. I will I will heap praise on a kid for that. Uh, levels higher than that, if there's like a singular play where you can say that was a great effort on that play, sure. You know, somebody dives into the stands to try He's to catch not a foul make ball. That play if he doesn't, you know, give all effort or right. whatever. You know, I could see that. I could see that, but from yeah. a you know, oh, he brings his lunch pail every day, like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> like his lunch pail's full of millions of dollars. He should. Yeah, I like, can I, go over. The, yeah, and that's that's kind of where definitely once we start getting <laughs> into professional sports, right? You know, then then to me, it's more like I don't think you're. I, I don't think you should be praising anyone for their effort at right. that level. You should you should only be noting the guys who don't give. The effort yes, absolutely. I'll call them out all day. I'll call guys yeah. out all day on not giving effort, but not the other way around. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. I was just curious what you thought about that because you know we're 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 going to be uh, jumping back into you know to seeing these guys going live here pretty soon. Can't so, wait! Can't wait! Absolutely. Hey, don't forget hit that like button if you don't mind. Rate us, comment, subscribe. All that good stuff. Vince is going to be back one more time tomorrow. And I think now you're going to be with me tomorrow. Yes. And then after you get done with practice Friday, mm -hmm. you're going to be going on the podcast with Brian. Is that right? That's Talk about practice. Yep. I okay. believe that is accurate. Yep. Okay. So we'll have that immediate reaction after the practice Friday. And of course, I'll be, uh, excuse me. I'll be transcribing it and writing for yes. Friday afternoon. Head so. first into the uh, the beat writer That's right. mode. And That's right. Jump over on irishbreakdown.com yep. later on and read yep. all about it is That's what right. you're able to do. Absolutely. Because right. we get to talk to Marcus Freeman uh, on Friday, right? Yep. And then Tommy Reese on Saturday. So they, they've That's got right. a whole, you know, they're planning them all out. So absolutely. That's right. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. As always, we will talk to you tomorrow. One more time, our last day without football. It all starts Friday. We're ready for that. We will talk to you tomorrow, though, right here on IB Nation Sports Talk.